Well, where to start? Another EP that gave us several parallels and callbacks, some beautiful defiance, and an acknowledgement that things haven't been fixed, but that maybe Ben has at least moved to a slightly better coping method, at least externally. The episode picks up where we left off, where we pan to a forlorn Callum, still sitting at his little table and downing his drink. He's approached by Jack, who asks if he's okay. It's possible he's jumped out of the shadows at the sight of sad Callum, wondering if it's another chance to trash-talk the Mitchells. Unluckily for him, Callum's not forthcoming, and changes the subject by asking Jack if he's not joining the party. Apparently he's not because he's off to the station, must end up being a slow day at the office. Jack checks again that he's okay, and makes me wonder why he's suddenly so concerned. At Callum's insistence that he's never been better, you're not fooling anyone there Callum, Jack concedes and leaves him to it. In actual fact, he's anything but okay, Ben's clearly missed the deadline at this point and Callum ends up dramatically removing his wedding ring and putting it in his pocket. Oof, the pain. But at least he's keeping it safe. He's just being a bit theatrical about what he perceives as the end of his marriage. He's frustrated because he thinks his plan, the only plan he had, has failed and he's now turning to drown his sorrows. But, as we see in a little glimpse of him later, he's feeling quite bare without the ring on. After learning from Phil that Ben's in a bad way following the attack and how it's brought back memories of Paul, Sharon heads to the arches, where Ben's trying to distract himself by doing some actual work. And he's clearly still feeling hostile towards Sharon, bluntly telling her that no, for her he doesn't have a minute. Sharon is undeterred, Ben's harshness towards her being something she's used to and is unfazed by at the best of times, but this time she's armed with the knowledge that Ben is struggling and that makes her want to help him. When she tells him that Phil told her what he's going through, we see what Ben thinks of his dad's attitude and the way he mockingly imitates him saying to just get on with it as life is tough. He thinks Sharon has come to say the same thing to him, but she acknowledges that Ben doesn't need to be told that life is tough, as he's been kicked in the teeth almost as much as she has. Ben feigns a yawn, illustrating his point that he doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't want to talk about it with anyone, let alone a woman he still holds a grudge against. And when this woman of all people tells him she admires him, he's incredibly dubious about the sincerity of that. Until she goes on to explain why, how despite the odds, acknowledging Phil's less than stellar parenting, he's who he is today, standing his ground, being himself and being brave. Which is hard for Ben to hear because of how he feels at the moment. He thinks that whatever bravery he once had is gone and that's it. There's nothing for anyone to admire, he's not that person anymore. Sharon tells him he can't let the memory of what happened to Paul stop him from being him, because this isn't him. Being brave isn't about not being scared, it's about embracing the fact you're scared and overcoming it. At the mention of losing people, Ben assumes he's talking about Denny and goes on the defensive, telling her this situation isn't like what happened to him. But she's not talking about Denny, she's talking about his dad, yep, Dennis Sr. how he was murdered out in the square and there was nothing she could do to stop it. She tells him the love she had for Phil was nothing compared to Dennis, he was her Paul, taken from her too soon. She knows that Ben would have given his life for Paul as she'd have done for Dennis, but Ben disagrees, as that theory was put to the test with Callum, someone he loves just as much if not more than Paul, and he failed. Instead of helping or stepping in, he froze. He sees this as a failure instead of a natural response to a horrific event and Sharon tries to get him to see that. He's human and he's gone through hell. But Ben doesn't want to hear that and tells her to go away, you can hear the panic in his voice. He tells her he can't do it anymore, 
can't put himself in a situation where he feels useless and cannot help the person he loves. Sharon has the answer to why he froze, and although Ben says he doesn't want to know, he does at least acknowledge that Sharon's going to tell him and there's a reluctant acceptance there that he can't stop her. Doesn't want to hear it but at the same time he does. She says it speaks to who he really is, that kid who sings Dusty Springfield and Judy Garland with his gran, not that she would have been privy to that having not actually met Ben until he was 18, we'll just have to assume someone told her retrospectively, maybe Ben did at some point himself. I think Ben's freeze response, like any response in that situation, is more instinctual than about what someone is like as a person, but I think Sharon's point is that it isn't something he can change or even needs to change. He doesn't have to be big and tough, he's sweet and sensitive and that's okay too. At the mention of Peggy, Sharon goes on to ask him what she'd say. It was rhetorical because she's going to tell him, she'd say fake it till you make it. Peggy had her share of knockbacks too and as Sharon observed, she carried on, painting on a smile and gritting her teeth. Pushing down on that clawing feeling that Sharon suspects Ben is also dealing with. The only problem is that Ben's issue runs deeper than a series of knockbacks, his mental health has suffered and he's showing symptoms of PTSD, and those things need to be properly addressed. But in terms of coping mechanisms, faking it at least limits the destructive actions even if it doesn't help what's on the inside. Sharon reveals she uses the Peggy method in her everyday life too, that despite waking up most days wanting to scream, she fakes bravery in the hope it will become real eventually, like it's done in the past. And Ben is listening now because he wants that to be true. I'm not sure how convinced of that he really is, because it's not like Ben's not tried that, he admitted to Callum he spent his whole life pretending not to be scared, but he's also aware that he's missing a deadline Callum set him for saving their marriage and maybe this method can help him with that at least. Sharon must somehow know this too, that he's pushing Callum away, as she tells him not to let him go, a man who loves him for who he is. He didn't fail to protect Callum, he was being hurt in the attack too, just in a different way. And Callum knows that. Sharon tells him to trust her, faking it till you make it works. And I mean, that works for her, it's an experience she'd lived through. And it's the only advice she has to give him. It's well-meaning but doesn't quite fit Ben's situation long-term. Those feelings need addressed, not hidden. But it may just work to save his marriage. Back at the party, Callum still sat down at his little table, downing the drink, and a guy standing nearby thinks he might be in with a chance, indicating to his friends that he's going over to chat him up. However, Callum sees him coming and off like a shot before he can even make eye contact with the guy. He might have taken his ring off but he's still interested in no one else, doesn't even want to try. Maybe that's the part of him who still thinks Ben might show up, not totally given up yet. He is still keeping the party going despite not really looking in the mood, after all. He sees Jack and greets him warmly, and a bit drunkenly, thinking he's turned up to join the party except he's only turned up to tell Callum that the party's over as they've had noise complaints. Callum goes from delight to disgust, telling him to leave off. He's obviously not prepared to take a few noise complaints seriously, or the fact that Jack's decided to come and stop the party because of them. I'm sure he knows this is below Jack's pay grade as well, and that's also annoying, that shutting down a pride party is seen as a priority over other things that are actually causing harm. Luckily Jack gets pushback from some of the partygoers, with Vinny responding to the request to turn the music off by making it louder and everyone else cheering in response. Callum tries to reason with Jack, that it's just a few drinks, there's no harm, no trouble. Instead Jack threatens to call for backup. Very scary. 
At least he's not getting any of the respect he's expecting, everyone's just annoyed he's trying to ruin the fun. And Callum is scoffing in disbelief that Jack can't bend the rules for this, because he, as we know, has no qualms about doing the same thing himself, he even threatens Callum with a disciplinary for not complying, but again doesn't get the response he's expecting as Callum simply shrugs and tells him to do what he's got to do because Callum's not shutting the party down. That casual dismissal of any power Jack thinks he has was rather glorious, I must admit. Tonight he's not a copper, he's a gay man taking the power back from the people who try to make them hide away. No choice but to stand. The backup seems to have arrived as Jack promised, and they start taking action, pulling the plug on the music and ordering people to leave. Callum appears in order to confront Jack and the other officers, and although I was all for a drunken Callum calling Jack every name under the sun, within the constraints of the watershed, I actually liked that he was still reasonably polite as he urged his colleagues to stop shutting down the party. He reminds them that he's one of them, I think emphasizing that this party isn't wrong, celebrating who they are isn't wrong. Callum might be one of them but he also places himself as part of the community too, pointing out that the police could have been picking over pieces of them trying to identify them to their families, referring to the bomb that could so easily have gone off and killed them all inside the Albert. It's quite a visceral image he paints, and it highlights how important it is to celebrate the fact that a situation like that didn't happen and how lucky they are to be alive. And everyone around him are agreeing, Stacy egging him on and Bobby nodding. He's got an audience of supporters listening to him as he speaks to Jack and it's quite the moment. The moment we see Ben is just as Callum is talking about how it's not just about the people who've turned up tonight, but about everyone who lives and works here. He's fighting for Ben even though he thinks Ben hasn't turned up, as though it strengthened his conviction to keep fighting and keep celebrating being alive as revenge against those who've taken away Ben's sense of pride. Ben stands and watches Callum facing down Jack in front of everyone even as he gives him a warning, and the way everyone is standing behind him. Callum's talking about how people are always going to come for them and this is them showing those people that they're not going to hide. He's talking to Jack but it feels like he's talking to Ben, and I think subconsciously he probably is, he's definitely got Ben on his mind anyway. And even though Ben is terrified, he can see how incredibly inspiring his husband is being, not just to him but to the entire community. That community who are now cheering their agreement as Callum does a little bow, which is the cutest thing in the world because even though he historically hates being the center of attention, this is important and he knows that he's speaking his truth, and he wants people to listen. It's such a huge empowering moment for him. And so when Jack ends the moment by announcing he's arresting Callum for obstructing the police, it feels like such a huge injustice that Ben is compelled to rush in and stand in front of Callum to prevent Jack going any further. He tells him if he's going to arrest Callum then he can arrest Ben as well and even suggests he arrest a lot of them. Callum's courage has given him courage as well, or at least the courage to take Sharon's advice and fake it. I think seeing everyone backing Callum up has given Ben a bit of comfort as well, proof that he really is surrounded by people who have their backs. And he gets positive responses to his words as well, with Keegan shouting out encouragement. He was on the receiving end of a beating from Aaron's gang as well, and if you'll remember, Ben contributed to his support fund. So it's a nice little moment there. Ben asks Jack if he'd rather have someone like him, cowering away afraid to be hurt or broken, not quite faking it there, he's acknowledging his own situation for what it is, or someone like Callum who's being true to themselves, who's proud and strong. He puts a hand to Callum's chest, over his heart, to make his point. He's showing his own admiration for Callum, acknowledging that what he's doing isn't naive like he suggested. 
It's who Ben was and who he wants to be again. And he's facing down Jack and daring him to shut down a party that's essentially a manifestation of Callum's courage. Callum, meanwhile, is looking at Ben like he hung the moon, probably still processing the fact he showed up, let alone protecting him from the threat of arrest. He can also see the Ben he loves, his inspiration, and the hope that they can get through this is back. If Jack was faced at all by Balam taking a stand, he doesn't show it, and informs Callum he's still taking him in. But then he gets the protests from everyone else, Stacy complaining that he's ruining everyone's fun as Ben stands firm in front of Callum but clearly still really anxious. It is quite glorious to have the entire community railing against Jack trying to do his job. It's Callum's job too but he knows what's important. Plus he's always said there's no choice between Ben and the police, and Ben is a big part of why he's doing this. We get Kim advising Jack to read the street and threatening to tell Denise that he's an uptight jobsworth. I mean, surely everyone knows that about him by now? Not least his partner who was not impressed with his conduct over the racial profiling story with Keegan. But anyway, with everyone standing resolute against Jack, including our boys, a quiet plea from Sonia to do the right thing results in Jack finally, and very reluctantly, relenting and telling his boys to stand down. There are cheers from everyone else and Vinny gets the music going again. Screw the noise complaints. Ben and Callum turn to face each other and Ben shrugs, just like he did when he turned up to the registry office to marry Callum. Callum is really proud of him, and he grabs his face in a rush of affection and makes sure he can hear him when he tells him he loves him. And despite his fear, Ben smiles at him and leans in for the kiss. A kiss that's very reunion-esque where Ben's not sure where to put his hand, and Callum leaning in for another little affirming kiss when he pulls back and sees that Ben's eyes are still closed. It's not the only way it's similar to the January 2020 reunion, the same song is playing too, albeit what sounds like a remix. But after Callum mouths that he loves Ben once again, and touches him reassuringly as he leaves to receive some love from the locals, as he should, that music fades and slows along with the smile Ben's painted on as the camera keeps on him. It's that tunnel effect noise again, showing us that Ben isn't okay. Internally there's still panic and fear that he's going to now, presumably, do his best to cover up on the outside. The thing about faking it till you make it when the trauma runs as deep as Ben's is that it means that trauma isn't addressed, not properly. And although ignoring it and hoping it goes away is a better coping mechanism in terms of outward actions, e, he's not pushing Callum away and he's not in the mindset that being proud is necessarily synonymous with danger, it doesn't erase that internal panic, and that's what I presume Ben will be continuing to grapple with until he gets proper help.